Okay, so we are, bring it back together guys, we are about to start week number five of our Purpose Driven Life campaign. Hopefully you've been, uh, you've picked up the book, you've had a read, uh, it has so much good stuff, so hopefully you've got a lot out of it. If you've just joined us for the first time, we've got a little video that is going to help you get up to speed, so watch the screens. Today with chapter 29, we start looking for the next seven days at the fourth purpose of life. And the fourth purpose of life is you were shaped to serve God. Now let me explain this. Life is preparation for eternity because what God wants you to do is he wants you to learn to practice on earth what you're going to do in heaven. Now what are you going to do in heaven? Well, the Bible tells us you're going to do four things. You're not going to sit around in a cloud and play a harp. To me, that would be hell. (laughs) Actually, there's going to be a lot to do. But one of the things you're going to do in heaven are the four things. First, you're going to worship God. You're going to worship Him. You're going to express love to God. So what does God want you to do here on earth? He wants you to practice. He wants you to learn how to worship God. So when you get to heaven, you're not a doofus. You know how to express your love to God. Second thing in heaven, you're going to keep growing spiritually. You're not going to stay the same. The Bible says when we see him, we shall become like him, for we shall see him as he is. And you're going to be developing in heaven. What does God want you to do? He wants you to practice growing more and more like Christ here on earth. The third thing you're going to do in heaven is you're going to serve God in heaven. You're going to serve him. And the Bible says we can't even imagine all the wonderful ways that we're going to serve God. What does God want you to do here on earth? He wants you to practice. So for the next several days, we're going to look at learning how to serve God. The Bible says you're commanded to serve, you're saved to serve, you're called to serve, you're gifted to serve. The Bible says you were created to serve. And I will tell you this, that the significance in life and the satisfaction in life and the meaning and purpose in life. Satisfaction does not come from status. It does not come from salary. It does not come from sex. It does not come from uh, success. Satisfaction comes from service. Self-esteem comes from giving your life away. You're going to enjoy this week of studies. So, week number five, purpose number four is... You were made, you were shaped to serve God. And um, I've got a little reading from, the, from day 29. Some of you may have read it this morning, but I thought it summed it up really well. It says, you were put on earth to make a contribution. You weren't created just to consume resources, to eat, to breathe, and to take up space. No, God designed you to make a difference with your life. Now, while many of the best-selling books offer advice on how to get the most out of life, that's not the reason God made you. You were created to add to life on earth, not just to take from it. God wants wants you to give something back, and this is the fourth purpose of your life. It's called your ministry or service, and the Bible gives us the details. You know, if someone was to ask you how many ministers do you have in uh, this Coral Baptist Church, you can say somewhere between 70 and 100 because every one of you is a minister. In the Bible, the word minister and the word servant are the same word. Now, uh, Pastor David and I are pastors and that's a part of service, but each of us have a unique and and a, a special role to play within the bigger picture of ministry and serving God. 
And so within that, we're going to look at uh, three different things today. We're going to look at why God has called us to serve, what God has called us to do in service, and then how do we do that? So why has he called us to serve? What has he called us to do in service? And then how do we go about doing that? So why? Why does God call us to service? Well, oh, I've got a... I haven't actually used this clicker thing before, but I'm going to give it a go. Pastor David's good at using it, but I'm not. Okay, let's see. Oh, exciting. Okay, so there's, there's four reasons why God has called us or, or, or made us to serve, and it's that he's created us to serve, he has saved us to serve, he has called us to serve, and he's commanded us to serve. Let's look at the first one. First one is Ephesians 2.10. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's handiwork. You are God's artwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he planned long ago for you. God specifically formed you to be you. He didn't create you the same as someone else. No, you are unique. And within that, there are ways that God has called you to serve that no one else can fill. If someone is, if you're going to try and pretend to be like someone else or try and serve like someone else, what you were made to do won't happen. Someone else can't take that place. And so we're God's handiwork, his masterpiece. And what has he done? He's, he's created us in Christ Jesus. Why? For the good works. That's your service. He saved us. He's created us for service. The second one is in Jeremiah. Jeremiah says the same thing. God is speaking to Jeremiah and he says, Before I made you, before you were were in your mother's womb, I had chosen you and I'd given you a purpose. I'd set you apart for a special work, for service. So, number one, we were created to serve. Secondly, we were saved to serve. It says in 2 Timothy 1.9, It was he who saved us and he called us. Why? For his holy work. Not because we deserved it, but because it was his plan. God created you for service and he saved you for service. He saved you for a reason. Some people wonder, why doesn't God just save us? And once we're saved, package us up and deliver us to heaven. The reason is because he's got you here for a mission. He's got you here for a reason. And within that, God has chosen and he's planned for you to serve. We actually get to participate with God in what he's doing, in, in redeeming everything. And Jesus prayed, uh, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now our job on earth is to fulfill that, is to work through the Holy Spirit to go and do what God has called us to do. The same thing in... Do it, do it. There we go. Um, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. When we realize what Jesus has done for us in the cross, when we look at what Jesus has done for us, that he gave it all for us, that he literally poured himself out, if we get that, then our hearts are changed and we suddenly find that our lives aren't our own. We were purchased at a great price. Therefore, we're called to serve God. So he created us to serve He uh, saved us to serve. Next, he called us to serve. Look at this, Romans 12.1. Because of God's great mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service. 
It's this idea that, does this sound optional? Does this sound something that we can go, mm, I, I feel like this today, I don't feel like this tomorrow? No, it's a calling. It's, it's given to us. It's a commandment. So, Romans 7, 4. Now you belong to him in order that we may be of useful service to God. And, and it's this idea that if we see how much God has given to us, if we see that the gospel is not, um, I have tried hard, therefore God has accepted me. No, it's completely gift. If God has saved us by gift, there's no limit to what he can ask of us. And what he asks of us is service. It's serving him. And this is actually what we were made to be. If we do this, we actually, it's not a burden. It's, it's fulfilling our calling. It's, it's who we were made to be. And actually, are we supposed to do this on our own? No, God has given us a place to do this, and it's within a community, a church, a, a family of believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you, all of you together are Christ's body. Each one of you is a separate and necessary part. You're separate because God has given you something that only you can minister through. But you're also necessary because if you don't, don't participate, it's not complete. If I take a necessary part out of a machine, what's going to happen? It's going to break down. But together, we are part of Christ's body, and, and that means we need you. So um, we're called to serve in community, and this is one of the reasons why. Now, I've got a pot plant here, and I inherited this pot plant from the previous owners of my house. It looks a bit sad, but... I'm a plant murderer, so most of the plants that like, are in my house are actually dead. But um, this one has managed to survive, so it's actually doing pretty well. But um, this plant, you know, as long as I water it, as long as I give it a little bit of fertilizer, leave it out in the sun, it seems fairly happy. It, it, it's not like amazing, but it's, 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 it's comfortable, it's doing its thing. It's got its little walls up in its pot, but... All of the other type, I don't even know what type of plant it is, but anyway, um, all of the others of its type in my backyard are taller than me. All of these plants have reached their potential, but this one, for over a year and a half, has stayed where it is. Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God has, has, has um, given it a potential to reach this high, and yet it's staying this this size because it's within its pot. It's comfortable, but it's within its plot. If it was going to reach its potential, it would need to be planted. And in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the one who, who follows the Lord. And, and he's like a tree planted by streams of living water and everything they do prospers. The, the reason that it was going to reach its potential is it needs to be planted. And it's the same with us. This plan, I think sometimes we can be like this plant. Sometimes we can come to church and we just come when we need to come and we uh, stay within our little walls. We've got our pot up, our little um, comfortable zone, but we don't make an effort to, 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 uh, to serve or to contribute or give. I know I find it easy to just come and do what I have to do, but it's actually we're never going to reach our potential in what God has called us to do. God has called us to be planted and to grow and to reach the flourishing that he's called us to get to. Now, um, I've got another picture here, which is of the um, sequoia trees in California, actually near where Rick Warren is. 
And these are the largest trees on earth. They grow nearly 100 meters high. Massive, massive trees. And they live for thousands of years. But what I found amazing about them is that their roots only go down two to three meters. Now, how do they stay up? They're massive, 100 meters, but only two to three meters of roots. How do they stay up? The reason is they grow close together. And then their roots knit in with all of the other trees and it forms this network of roots. And so when a sequoia tree is, is sick or it's, it's not flourishing, the other trees are sharing its, their nutrients with that tree and it's actually this network. When, when a sapling comes up, the other trees feed the, the sapling and share their nutrients with the sapling. And so it's this community, it's this network and that's what we're called to be. If we stay in our pot plant, we will never reach our potential, but we're not called to be pot plants. We're called to reach all that God has poten- placed within our potential to be. We see this in Romans 12, 5. Each one of us finds our meaning and our function, what? As part of his body. So, God has called us to serve. He's created us to serve. He's saved us to serve. He's commanded us to serve. In fact, In Romans uh, 14, it says, Each one of us will have to give an account to God. Let me read a a part out of um, Purpose Driven Life again. One day, God will command us, sorry, God will compare how much time and energy we spend on ourselves compared with what we spend invested in serving to others. He talks about elsewhere in the book that um, at the end of the day, there's really only two questions that matter. In eternity. One is, what have you done with my son, Jesus Christ? And I hope you know the answer to that. The right answer is, I've received him. I've accepted him. I'm following him. But the second question is, what have you done with what I've given you? What have you done with what I've placed in your hands? And, and Rick Warren says, at that point, all of our excuses for self-centeredness will sound hollow. I was too busy. I had my own goals. I was preoccupied with working or having fun or preparing for retirement. To all excuses, God will respond, sorry, wrong answer. I created you. I saved you. I called you and I commanded you to live a life of service. Which part did you not understand? Sobering, isn't it? We are called to service. We're called to serve each other as a family, as a church, and from there to serve our community as representatives of of reflections of who God is. So that's the why. We're created to serve. We're saved to serve. We're called to serve. We're commanded to serve. But what about the what? What does this mean for us? How do we do this? What what does this look like? And uh, within that... What did we talk about last week? What did Pastor David talk about last week? Thinking, thinking. We were created to become like Jesus. Well remembered. So, we were created to become like Jesus. Our purpose in life, purpose number three that Rick Warren gives us, is that we are called to become who God made us to be. And what is that? It's to look like Jesus. We were saved by him. He's filled us with his spirit. He's given us a new heart with new desires. Therefore, we're called to go look like him. And what does serving like Jesus look like? It means four things. It means being available. 
means being grateful. It means being faithful. And it means being generous. First, it means being available. When we look at the life of Jesus, what shows up? Well, every single miracle that Jesus gave, he was, it was an interruption. He would, Jesus would be going somewhere. We see this in... Um, oops. We see this in Matthew 20. Oh, no, that's not it either. This one. <laughs> Jesus is walking along and he's on this, this uh, road going to Jerusalem and he sees these two blind men. In fact, he doesn't even see them. They shout out to him going, Lord, have mercy on us. And what does he do? Jesus stopped and he called them. What do you want me to do? He asked them. And they say, we want to see. And he heals them and it's this miracle. But, but it was an interruption. Time and time again, Jesus is walking along and the woman reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and, and Jesus stops and he's healed. Jesus is going along and 10 lepers are there and they call out, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stops. The times that we have to take notice of what Jesus is doing is not what Jesus does as much as when does Jesus stop. And what is it? It's when people called out to him. It's when, when people were actually reaching out and Jesus was interruptible. Jesus made room in his schedule for interruptions where he followed the Spirit of God. And so we're called to look like Jesus, which is Matthew 20. 28, your attitude must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve. And so if Jesus, if if we're called to serve like Jesus, and Jesus was available, that means we have to be available. Now, Jesus was probably as busy, if not busier, than every single one of us here. Jesus was surrounded by crowds. He had people pushing at him day and night, demands and expectations and questions and, 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 and all sorts of things pressing on him. And yet, he always made room for the interruptions of the Spirit. We see this in the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells this story of someone walking along. He's bashed up by a bunch of losers and he's lying on the ground. And what happens? A priest walks by, but oh my goodness, I'm so busy. I have to watch the time and he keeps going. And then there's a lawyer that, that sees this band and he's like, oh, I've got a schedule, I've, I've got too many things to do. And he keeps going. And it was the unlikely one. It was the Samaritan, the one, the outsider that no one expected that was interruptible. And Jesus says, go and do the same. We are called, in spite of all of our busyness, to be interruptible, available for what God wants us to do. So that's point number one. We need to be available if we are shut out for, for, from, from what God wants, if we're like, mm, I'm too busy, is that serving myself or serving God? We, we're called to be available. Point number two is we're called to serve like Jesus is being grateful. Now, Jesus said in 11, John 11, he was about to heal Lazarus and he says, Father, I thank you. That, that, that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but right now I'm saying this for the benefit of those who are hearing me. Jesus is giving us a glimpse into his heart and he's saying, in my everything, I am being serving out of gratefulness to the Father. And so Jesus was grateful and that means we're called to do the same. Paul was the same. He said, uh, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who gave me this strength, who trusted me and, and, and gave me this gift of, of, of serving him. Serving is, is, is a privilege. It's saying, 
can, can you believe we get to do this? Can you believe that we get to, to, to participate with God? If we serve out of duty or obligation or um, have to, it's never going to reach our potential. But if we serve out, I want to do this. I'm doing, I see what God has done for me in Jesus. He's changed my heart. Therefore, I want to. When we get that, we're going to reach, we're going to see serving out of love and people will see that. So we're called to be uh, available. We're called to be grateful. Next, we're called to be faithful. Um, Jesus said, I am so not used to this thing, but I will get there. Anyway, um, John 17, I have brought glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus finished what God had given him, and he calls us to do the same. 1 Corinthians 4.2, the one thing required of such servants as you and me is that they're faithful, is that they see it through to the end. Now, sometimes... The things that we do are actually difficult to be faithful in because they're unnoticed, that people don't, don't, don't see what we're doing. It might be tiring or, or um, mundane. But when we see what God has done for us, he changes our hearts and it gives us a fresh perspective. 1 Corinthians, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Rick Warren tells this story of a person when their church first started. Um, they, they were seeing this amazing growth, thousands of people coming along to church for the first time, all this amazing stuff. And one, one, one day, uh, Rick Warren was um, sitting, um, or he, he stayed back late at church, and he heard this, and he goes over to see what it is. And there's this old man that has, uh, for years, been sharpening all the pencils for the connect cards and for the uh, I've made a decision to follow Jesus card. And he would do that every Saturday night for years and years on end. No one noticed. Rick Warren didn't even notice. But he was doing it for an audience of one. He was doing it for God. And it says in Colossians, whatever you do, whether it's uh, whatever it is, work at it with all your heart, working as for the Lord and not for men because it is the Lord Jesus you are serving. God sees, God notices, and God won't forget. In Hebrews 6, it says, God will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you've shown your love for him and and cared for other believers. God won't forget. He sees, he notices, he won't forget. And so it doesn't matter if no one else notices what I'm doing or or what, what areas I'm serving, what matters, I'm doing it for an audience of one. Serving like Jesus means being available, it means being grateful, it means being faithful, and finally, it means being generous. Was Jesus generous? Yeah. I think it's actually not something that we naturally like, associate with Jesus. Jesus wasn't like throwing lots of money around the place. But in Hebrews 6.10, it says, You're familiar with the the generosity of our master Jesus. Rich as he was, he spoke and worlds came into existence. Everything was sustained by the power of his word. All authority was his. And yet in one stroke, he gave it all away. In one stroke, he became poor that we might become rich. In Ephesians, it says, every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ. Jesus gave it all away and we're called to do the same. 
We're called to be a radically generous people. 2 Corinthians 9 says, You'll be glorifying God through your generous gifts, for your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news. Do you see that? We'll be glorifying God when we're generous. But not only that, our generosity proves the gospel. When we're generous, when we give our time, when we give our money, when we give our energy, when we give our, our passions, God is glorified. And not only that, it proves to the world that the gospel is true. It, it, it's the testimony that the world is waiting to see. And so that's what Requiren describes as looking like Jesus in service. But finally, how do we do that? This is the big, big stuff, but it's, it's all fairly vague. What does it mean for you and me? How do we personally do that? Well, I think um, Rick Warren has some really helpful stuff, and we're going to look at it. Hopefully, if you've got the book, you'll be looking at it this week. But um, he describes that we're called to find God's given us a shape. It's an acronym, and the idea is that God has given us spiritual gifts, In Ephesians, it says that every single one of us has been given a gift from God. He's also uh, given us hearts for things. We're passionate about certain things that maybe no one else is passionate about. We have abilities, things that we're just naturally good at. We have a unique personality that that helps us to serve in a way that's that's different. Some people may connect with uh, a group of people better than me. Other people will um, be, be, be serving in ways that are just unique to them. It's because we each have a unique shape, unique spiritual gifts, unique hearts, unique abilities, unique personalities, and finally, unique experiences. Each and every one of us, our past gives us a clue of how God is training us and enabling us to serve. Now, we're going to be looking at that in our small groups this week. So if you are coming along on a Wednesday or a Friday, you'll find that we will uh, go through like a worksheet. If you're not going to be there, there are some worksheets at the back. I'd love for you to go pick it up. It's actually really helpful in going, this is how God has made me and wired me to serve differently. So go pick one up if you're not going to be there on Wednesday or Friday. Um, If you are, pick one up anyway, give it a go. But as I finish, you know, um, you know what the result of all this serving is? It's joy. Jesus, oh, in Philippians, Paul says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a drink offering, like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service, it's an offering to God. And yes, I want you to share that joy. You can feel Paul is excited about this. He's filled with joy over this because he realizes when we serve unselfishly, it actually creates so much joy. Paul got this. Jesus modeled this. And we're called to follow this. And so my prayer for you is this, that you would find that you are shaped by God to serve and that you would find so much joy in the process. Let me pray. Father, We know that we're surrounded in a world that is full of so much selfishness. There are people that are just out there for themselves. How can I get the most out of life? But that is not what we are called to be. We're a people that are created and saved and called and commanded to serve. So Father, through your Holy Spirit in us, give us a fresh revelation of Jesus. Show us what you did for us, giving it all for us at the cross. 
Lord, when we get that, may we be so consumed with love for you and gratefulness for you that we would just be be naturally serving in every way. Lord, we thank you that you have enabled us to serve through your spirit. So send us out for the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.